welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. sensing more and more in my heart that I need to spend more time with the Lord and look deeper into his plan and purpose for our church because great and mighty things are upon us. I actually texted my, our friend Mark Hankins just yesterday. I was just sitting, Carl and I were talking about some things that are going on in the world and things that are happening and I texted Pastor Mark Hankins and I said, sir, I said, um, what do you, what's your take on what's going on right now with uh, the craziness in the election? with uh, the virus, with uh, NASA's projection of meteorites hitting the earth in 20, or coming near the earth in 2029. And just beyond, just a little newsflash, even if they were gonna hit the earth, they wouldn't say they were. They're not gonna cause a panic. They have to say something because we're gonna see it. But um, we know with the meteorites coming on the earth, I just, thinking again about Revelation 16 where it talks about these, these things like hail falling from the sky, like 70 pound chunks of fire falling from the sky. Pieces of a meteorite hitting everywhere. And then big ones hitting too, you know. Um, but we shouldn't be afraid of this stuff at all. I ain't not even sure we're going to be here when that happens because the Bible says we're not appointed unto wrath. We'll either be protected from it or gone from it. I believe we'll be gone uh, from it. But uh, I said, Pastor Mark, what about the meteorites? And then what about all these prophecies of great men and women of God that says the greatest move of God this earth has ever seen is about to happen? And he wrote me back. You want to know what he said? It was real, it was real short because I said, what, what's your take on all this? I'm just curious. What's another man of God's take on all this? He said this. He said, love y'all. And he said, glory, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, in the church. As soon as he said that, I thought of a scripture. Ephesians 3.21, the Bible ending a prayer for the church. Paul said, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And I saw the phrase, glory in the church. Oh, and it started bringing back to my remembrance all these scriptures I know about the glory of God. In basic, simple terms, glory in the church means God's going to start manifesting greater and greater in the local church, at least churches that are wanting to do his will, more and more in 2021. Glory of God. The Bible talks about glory of God. Uh, in Second Chronicles 5, where it said all the priests were together. They all sanctified themselves. They all got their lives right. They, they were coming in without any known sin, and they were worshiping God, and the singers got together, and the trumpeters, and the musicians, and they all started praising the Lord, saying, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. And it said when they did that, the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of God, so that the priests were not able to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. The cloud that I'm talking about is, Brother Hagen has seen this at times, and you see certain scriptures and original definitions. When we were driving down to Durango one time, because our son Isaac was a police officer down there, and, and his family lived down there for a couple years, we were driving over Red Mountain Pass, yeah, in the wintertime, 
And I looked at the snow on the side, and I've never seen snow like I saw, saw snow that day. It looked like a field of diamonds. That's what Brother Hagin said the glory cloud looks like. Diamonds in the atmosphere, just bright and shining. It said that cloud filled the house of God where the priests and ministers were trying to minister, but they couldn't stand by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Glory in the church. Glory in the church. I submit unto any force, any power that's listening to me right now in this natural realm or the spirit realm. Angels, demons, people, whatever. I say this boldly. We are about to see the full power of the church. We're about to see the full power of the local church that is committed and consecrated to God beyond everything. I was saying in the earlier service how I'd, I'd watched a movie a while back, Joan of Arc, about the maid of Lorraine. And she was beginning to hear from God, having visions of God, winning battles for the, the king of France, and just things were happening. And um, it, was, it was getting really intense. The, 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 the battles were intensifying. And so the king of France and the king of England meet on this mountain. And the king of France is, is talking about the maid and how the power of God is upon her. She's hearing from heaven. We're winning battles. You know, the king of France is all, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and the, the king of France said, listen to me. You have not yet seen the full power of the maid. And the king kind of backs down, well, whatever, and tromps off on his horse. Well, we haven't seen the full power of the church, but we're about to. Do you know in the, in the New Testament it said that people were afraid to get near the church? That, that, that doesn't mean people weren't getting saved. They're getting saved by the thousands. But people who had ulterior motives, people who wanted to persecute, they got to the point where they were afraid. It's time for reverence to come back for the church. And that's not going to happen if all we have is good sermons. It's time for the power of God to be demonstrated and manifested. This world is groaning and travailing for it. It has to happen. We're not going to win the word war on Facebook. We're not going to win the light show war. You know, our light show's better, they'll come. Or, or the entertainment. None of these things are going to attract people in the days that are around the corner. What's going to attract people to church is the presence of God in those churches. I have been pressured for 33 years here and there, kind of semi-regularly, to... to please people more than the Lord so that the people would keep coming. I, I believe the Lord's helped me and graced me to not yield to that because if you've been coming very long, you know I'm not into pleasing people. I want people pleased, but the only way that's truly going to happen is if the Lord's will is being done. And a lot of times what he wants is not even what I want, let alone what you want. <laughs> so you have to find out what's your plan, God. I'm more concerned about me grieving the presence of God in our church than grieving a person who maybe got offended. I don't want that to happen. Gosh, of course, who doesn't love peace? Who doesn't like smooth waters? But realistically, ain't gonna happen. <laughs> what was it, Winston Churchill? What did he say? He said something like, you know, if people are mad at you, that's good. That means you're standing up for something. You know, it's like, <laughs> but... So what I believe we need to do today, next Sunday, how many Sundays do we have before the New Year's? This Sunday and next Sunday and one more or no? 
Just, just this one and next Sunday. So on these two Sundays, I sensed the Lord saying, we need to talk about some things as this year is about to expire. There's some things that we need to get ready for now so that when they come forth in January, we'll have a head start, so to speak. We'll be, right, we'll be on our mark, right? Set. And then, because if it's just go before we're on our mark, we might trip, we might fall, might not run as, as good as we could. So there's something that I feel like the Lord told me to, to share with you. So go to Luke 4. I prayed about this. I prayed with all sincerity of heart. I really reached as deep as I could. I felt like the Lord said, don't wait for New Year's. Start now. I said, okay, Lord. Do you realize, guys, that in the last days, the Spirit speaks expressly that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Oh, I don't need to get married. We don't need to get married. Commanding to abstain from certain meats. All these things. Paul said the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. In other words, people who were believers, people who were in church, people who were serving, people who were doing the will of God, in the last days, some of those people are going to leave their faith, leave the church. I heard a, uh, a word not too long ago, kind of witnessed with my spirit. I check everything out with the word in my heart. You hear a lot of things, but man, if it doesn't line up with scripture and you don't have the witness of the spirit, don't, don't worry about it. Just push it away or at least put it on the back burner. But I heard a guy recently say that um, something that has been on my heart and something that my father-in-law, Glenn, mentioned years ago about the, the Christians on the fence. You know, we've got people totally sold out to God, and we've got the world walking in darkness, and then we've got Christians kind of on the fence, you know. Like, okay, I, I'm a Christian yeah, but I still like to get drunk once in a while. I'm a Christian, but I still like to sleep around. I'm a Christian, but I still like to, you know, get mad and lose my temper or whatever. It's like they're kind of on the fence. And remember, Glenn, you were saying that, that the fence was getting more narrow and more narrow. You saw it getting more and more narrow to where it's kind of like you're going to go one, one way or the other. It's like you better be leaning the right way is all I'm saying. <laughs> because there's a scripture in Revelation that says, let him that's holy be holy still. Let him that's filthy be filthy still too late. And uh, this man that I heard recently, he said that God, through all the stuff that's happening, all the junk, the devil stirred up, all this crazy darkness that's going on, God didn't cause it, doesn't want it, but he's using it to remove the fence completely. You will have to decide, world or word. Hollywood or holy word, right? <laughs> Um, you have to make a decision because it's getting down to the nitty gritty. And I've seen some people, and it's so sad, I've seen them go the other way. Some shall depart from the faith. So sad. People I love dearly go the other way. And the devil's a mean devil. Very seductive. Very sly and crafty. Not the most powerful beast of the field, but definitely the most subtle the most crafty, the most, the, the wily one. 
And he's been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. So don't think you're going to outsmart the devil. You just better get enough word in you to where you know the truth and the truth makes you free. Don't, don't ever sit down and just have a natural conversation with the devil or temptation. You just get the word and say it is written. And whether you understand or not, just believe it's working. <laughs> right? So with all that's going on right now, this is what came to me for you and for me that we need to get ready right now for the New Year's because I truly believe glory in the church is a word for this church in 2021. I, I, I've realized through the decades of teaching and preaching that there are keys to the manifest presence of God in our lives. When I say the word glory, I'm talking about appearances of God perceptible. In other words, they're singers in this room right now, but they're not in manifestation. They were a few moments ago, but just because you don't hear any singing doesn't mean there's no singers here. Well, just because we don't see any manifestations of healing and power doesn't mean he's not here. He's just not manifesting like we'd like him to. And there are things we can do to set the atmosphere for miracles and healings. You know, Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Right? The more we believe he's here, you know, by getting ready for church, reverently approaching services like this, believing Jesus himself is going to teach us and appear to us and help us, treating services like he's really here where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. The more we believe he's here, According to Jesus, the more we will see he's here. We don't wait for him to manifest and then get on fire. We get on fire and he will manifest. Believing comes before seeing. We don't see and then believe. We believe and then we see. And Jesus connected it to the glory of God. He said, if you believe, Mary and Martha, you will see the glory of God. And the glory of God, the, the manifestation of God in that setting was Lazarus rising from the dead after being four days embalmed, wrapped in grave clothes, dead for four days. Decomposion started to set in. And Jesus said, Mary, Martha, your brother's dead, right? Right, well, if, didn't I say if you believe, you'd see the glory of God? And he said the glory of God in that situation was a person rising from the dead and being healed of what killed him in the first place, or he would have just died instantly again. He didn't, he lived. So we see the glory of God being a cloud of God that's supernatural and amazing. I mean, well, that's pretty good advertisement right there. Probably don't need no business cards after a meeting like that <laughs> or any Facebook posts, right? We couldn't talk for two weeks because it was so holy, didn't want to tell anybody. And uh, the glory of God is, is also, the Bible says Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Lazarus was raised from the dead by the glory of God. The Bible talks about the glory of God appearing like fire at times. Manifestations of the presence of Almighty God. And um, God called his glory goodness. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. And God said, I'll tell you what, I'll put you in the cleft in the rock so you're not blown away. And I'll walk by and I'll just let you see my backside because no man can look in my face and live. Moses said, cool. <laughs> and he did. And from that moment forward, Moses' face shone like an angel. I had to put a veil on his face because they couldn't look at Moses. He was so bright. 
So the glory of God is basically God manifesting in some way in our midst for good. He said, I will cause my goodness to pass before, pass before you, Moses. Moses says, I want to see your glory. And God said, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. Whew. Changed Moses' life forever. Tell you what, you don't need no facelift after <laughs> you see God. <laughs> you, you know what? There's a scripture, uh, not, not against facelifts. Fine, do whatever you want. But um, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy. It said that Moses was 120 years old when he died. And one translation said his eyesight was perfect and the skin on his cheeks was not wrinkled. Pays to spend time in the presence of God, <laughs> right? That's an Old Testament saint. We're New Testament children. Stephen's face shone like an angel. The glory of God was upon him. So are you ready now? Luke 4. I'm, I'm, I said all that to say this. This is something we need to hear right now because of what we're going to be hearing and experiencing not too far from now. So it's like John the Baptist saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He's coming and his fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor. You know, he, the glory of God is coming back to the church and we get to be a part of it. What's going to cause people to want to come to church in these last days? Not the light shows. That's old hat. Not the amazing looking architectural structure. There's always a better building somewhere else. Not the sound system. There's always a better sound system somewhere else, although ours is probably on the top. Not the games in the youth group. What's going to cause people to come to church in these last days is love for the presence they sensed last time they were there. You can't get the presence of God in any secular establishment or any movie theater or any exotic food or island or place or thing. The presence of God is unique unto churches he's approving of. And when people walk into our church, yea, when they drive by our church, they need to sense the presence of God, something supernatural they can't understand with their brain, and for some reason, they come. And we've already had people telling us that in our fellowship halls after services for first-time visitors. Almost everybody that's come to our church, almost everyone has said, I was driving by, something inside said, go there. Praise God for that. We should be very, very awesome awesomely thankful that the Lord would do that in our church. So Luke chapter 4, actually chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Yeah, did I say 4? Well, let's go to 3 and we'll get more free. <laughs> more scripture, more freedom, right? Luke chapter 3. Notice verse 21. I believe when you go to church, you should hear from the Lord, not just a sermon at the last minute. So it says in 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. 
And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. Did you know without this experience here, Jesus would not have been able to fulfill the Father's will? He had to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the will of God for his life. You see, now, do you realize it, Jesus is the Son of God? He is God the Son. But when he came to the earth, born of a virgin, he left his God powers in heaven. The reason Jesus had power on the earth was not because he was the Son of God. It's because the Holy Ghost came upon him. Acts 10.38 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So the credit is given to the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, not just Jesus alone. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that up to 30 years of age, nobody's getting healed. Nobody's getting delivered. No demons are getting cast out. Nobody's walking on water. No, why, what's going on? Because he was not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. But after this day, the Holy Ghost came upon him in a bodily shape like that. After that day, oh my goodness, lame are healed. Maimed are healed. That's people who had no body parts, got body parts. Uh, demons were cast out. Uh, preaching like this world's never heard before, miracles, all kinds of things started happening after the Son of God was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, so I asked myself the question, as Jesus our example, if he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the will of God, we're for sure going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the will of God. I didn't say we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, but to fulfill the will of God, we're going to have to have what Jesus had, or we're not going to be able to do what he did. And he told us to do what he did because he was going to the Father. Are you following me? So Jesus, baptized of John, water baptized in the River Jordan, and at that time the heavens were open, and John saw the Spirit of God descending upon him, and Jesus got filled with the Holy Spirit in the River Jordan when he was baptized in water. That's pretty cool. And he was about the age of 30 so we got God the Father saying, this is my son whom, whom I'm well pleased. We've got God the Spirit coming on Jesus, and we've got God the Son receiving the Spirit. There's a perfect view right there of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit right there. Jesus left his divine power in heaven and came to the earth and lived like a man, sinless life, was anointed with the Holy Spirit and did amazing things and died on a cross and rose from the dead. So now go to Acts, excuse me, Luke 4. Luke 4, because everything between what I just read and this is the genealogy of Jesus. So he gets to chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And how did that go? Does anybody know how that went? Jesus didn't give in at all. And for years I was thinking, well, I, okay, he said it is written, I need to say it is written, and I'll overcome every temptation of the devil. Only problem was I wasn't overcoming every temptation of the devil by saying it is written. 
I don't need a show of hands or anybody else who's, you know, said it is written at times, but then again, two weeks after that, fell into the same sin or whatever. Because we don't need, we, you know. But I realized, well, there must be something a little bit more than just saying it is written when temptation comes. It's got to be something a little more than just audible words because that, hasn't worked for, uh, that doesn't work 100% perfect for people who do that. But the Lord revealed this to me. He said he, he didn't just quote scripture, son, is why he overcame every temptation of the devil and all the devil had to throw at him. He, overca- he didn't overcome just because he said it is written. He overcame because he was full of the Holy Ghost and said it is written. Oh, you guys catching this? Yes, he said it was written. We don't belittle that at all. That's powerful. That's number one. But he was also saying it from a life filled with the Holy Spirit. You can say it is written out of your head. You can say it is written out of fear. You can say it is written out of uh, anxiety. Or you can say it is written out of your born-again, spirit-filled spirit. And see results. Hmm? And I think another thing about being filled with the Spirit is you don't stop saying it is written until it's over. A lot of people say it is written three times or four times or five times, but the devil says it seven times and they still get defeated. Something about being filled with the Spirit that gives you power to go past the breaking point. And it says, I want you to notice verse 1. Two things, you ready? Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. I said it last service, and it surprised me that I said it, and and it surprised me that I felt the witness of the Spirit saying, that's right, that's right, when I said it, because I didn't think it was quite accurate until I said it. And I said this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit is the answer to all problems. All problems. There's not one thing being filled with God and led by God can't overcome, get you through, and make successful. Amen. Not one thing. Because if, if it wasn't the answer, then God is not big enough for some things. Right. If you're filled with the Spirit and you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will overcome anything and everything. All your endeavors will be 100% successful if you are filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit every day of your life. Might want to break it down to every hour of your life. Might as well just learn how to maintain this kind of life so you never have to get unfilled ever again. Just stay filled every day. I used to think being filled with the Spirit meant I was baptized in the Holy Ghost in in 1994 and I started speaking in other tongues and I am filled with the Spirit and I haven't spoken tongue for three months. No, no, no. You had an experience of being filled. That doesn't mean you're living a Spirit-filled life. You can have an experience of being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean you're living a a Spirit-filled Christian life today. The Bible says in the Moffat's translation in Romans where it says, uh, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. See, it's not just serving the Lord. It's how you serve the Lord that matters. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. One translation says, maintain the glow. Maintain the glow. I thought it was interesting in Acts chapter 6 when Peter said, hey guys, we got some problems in the daily administration. Some widows are being neglected. We got some problems, a little strife trying to happen in the church. Look out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I thought, wait a second. 
He's telling them to look for seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. How do you know who's full of the Holy Ghost? It must be recognizable. Maybe that's where maintaining the glow comes in. What would they be, if somebody told you, if I told you right now, hey, I want you to look out three people to fulfill this position in the nursery, uh, and they need to be honest, and need to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. What would you be looking for if I said full of the Holy Ghost? Just somebody saying, oh, I'm spirit-filled, or would you think it'd be a little more than that? I mean, I don't believe they went up to people and said, are you spirit-filled? They probably go, oh yeah, I'm spirit-filled. I had an experience three years ago. You ain't spirit-filled today. Next. What were they looking for? Being filled is recognizable. You don't have to be around a spirit-filled person very long to know they're filled with the Spirit. Number one, by what's coming out of their mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaketh. You can be filled with anything you want to be filled with. It's in your control what you drink in. I'll be, can I confess my sins to you? <laughs> There's been times I've been filled with certain movies because that's what I wanted to talk about the most. Oh, this movie I saw. Oh, man, this movie was amazing. Oh, I saw this movie. I saw it 10 times. Oh, this movie, this movie, what's going on? Well, I, I, I'm talking out of the abundance of my heart. My mouth's wanting to speak about that. Some people get real filled up on sports, and you can tell they are because that's what they want to talk about the most. Here's the way the Lord put it to me. He said, you can tell what you're filled with at the moment because you can be filled with one thing today and a different thing tomorrow. He said, you can tell what you're filled with by what you want to talk about the most. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what you're filled with by what you want to talk about the most. Do you want to talk about what's going on in the world, movies, sports, or do you want to talk about the great move of God that's upon us? What Jesus said would happen in the end times. What the angels are up to. What the power of God is about ready to do. What our faith in God is going toward. You can tell what you're filled with by what, if you want to talk about the things of God, the word of God, the power of God, that's a good sign you've been drinking in things that is causing you to be filled with the Spirit. Um, let me share this with you, church. Filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit, like this one verse talks about, is the answer to all of life's problems. It is the way to see 100% success in your ministry to other people. Do you know why a lot of people fail in their ministry to other people? Because they're ministering to those people their way instead of God's way. Um, I want to read you a couple things. I didn't get a chance to read this in the earlier service, but I wanted to read this because speaking in tongues is not only an initial sign of being filled with the Spirit, it's an ongoing practice that we should be involved with every day of our life. It needs to become a part of your daily lifestyle. I can do that because I have had an infilling with the Spirit experience many years ago, and I can speak in tongues anytime I want to. And, and, and listen to how I'm saying this. I'm not just saying out of place and at a time you shouldn't or in public or in a church service when a preacher's preaching, but I can pray anytime I want to. There's, and, and when I do, the Spirit of God takes hold with me and helps me to pray out the perfect will of God. And then there's times he wants me to pray and it's stronger. 
there's an anointing to pray in tongues, and now it's like, whoa, pray in tongues or else, you know? <laughs> it's like you've got to have a baby or something. It's like you've got to pray it out. Not that we men know about that, but you know. <laughs> but speaking in tongues, listen closely, guys. Speaking in tongues, this book is called Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. It's by my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now. And um, he wrote a book called Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. In other words, yes, they spoke in tongues 2,000 years ago in the upper room in Jerusalem that day. But what about tongues in our life today? What about beyond the upper room? Should we be interested in speaking in tongues now? Well, let me just put it this way. If you want to know things about the future that you need to know and be prepared for things that are coming your way and you want to pray unselfish prayers that get answers every single time you pray and you want a hotline to God and you want to mess up the devil's plans before you even know they were arrayed against you, yeah, you want to pray in tongues every day. Praying in tongues is one of the most powerful things the New Testament church has and as we utilize this and are more faithful at this, we'll see other gifts of the Spirit begin to operate in the church as well. It's like the trigger to the other nine, other nine gifts. I want to read you a couple things Kenneth Hagin said. And Kenneth Hagin is a great prophet and teacher of God who's in heaven now. He, he wrote this book, Beyond the Upper Room, Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. He said in a chapter here of a personal example of charging myself up. Because the Bible says if you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. In, internally, you, you, you pray in tongues, then you encounter a storm you overcome when otherwise you wouldn't. You following me? Praying in tongues will keep you strong. And then when a storm comes, you don't buckle like you would have if you don't pray in tongues. Because the Bible says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Build yourself up. What is that for? That's for the next storms that come your way. And so he said here, he said, I realize that before all of my greatest experiences in God, and he had seven visitations of the Lord and a lot of miracles happened through his life and ministry. He said, I realize that before all of my greatest experience in God, just before, before the most spectacular healings, before the most supernatural financial miracles or the most outstanding experience of casting out demons, I always sense to be led to set aside time by myself to pray in tongues. You see, the Lord knows what's ahead of you. You don't know what's out there, but he does. And he's, he's contributing speaking in tongues to being ready and to seeing great breakthroughs in his ministry and ministering to others and healing and miracles, financial miracles. He said, before some of the greatest breakthroughs in my life, I was led of the Lord to spend extra time praying in tongues about these future things that were going to happen. Does that stir up anybody besides me? I was uh, thinking about sharing this on a Sunday morning. I thought like the Lord said, share it. You got to share it. And he said, I'll help people to understand it. He said here, uh, a little further on, he said, we have to depend on God and the Holy Spirit in us because in ourselves we can do nothing. Thank God the Holy Ghost who lives in us gets us ready for things to come. And one means by which he does this is when we pray in other tongues. How many of you want to be ready for some things that are to come in the new year? Oh, this is so vital. This is, I, um, I knew in my spirit through praying in tongues on a regular basis, I knew my mom was about to go to heaven a couple years before she went to heaven. 
And the Spirit of God quickened to me that she would be gone pretty soon. And she was looking good. She just barely stopped driving and living in her own house by herself and really no outward signs that she was going to be departing soon. I just knew in my spirit, mom's going to be leaving soon. And, I, and the Spirit of God said, spend more time with her. So I adjusted my schedule. Carl and I worked out perfect. And so I spent uh, much more time with my mom in the last two years of her life. I knew, and it just didn't look like she was going anywhere. She looked great. I mean, she's healthy, strong, she's wonderful. But sure enough, a couple years after that, she said, I'm done. She told me and Carly, she said, guys, I'm done. I've done my part and I'm ready to go. No sickness or disease was forcing her out of her body. She was just ready to go. And she said, I'm going to leave. We said, really? <laughs> you sure? And we said, well, don't you want to see Rachel and Dominic get married? Because they were getting married in a, in a few weeks. And mom said, I'll see it from heaven. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and so she basically... turned the knob off and left. I, talked to, I got to talk to my mom about what it means to give up the ghost. You know, when you're ready, not just evicted by some disease or accident, but just you're done, you're ready to go. How do you give up the ghost? How do you give up, how do you die as a Christian? Do you have to be forced out of your body by some disease or can you just leave when you're done? Well, you can leave. Right? Patriarchs of old. The Bible says, we shall die the death of the righteous. I like, um, I think it was Isaac or maybe it was uh, Jacob where he, he brought all his family in, you know, and he's, he's on his bed, you know, he's just kind of in between heaven and earth, you know, really old and prayed, prayed blessings, prophesied over all the kids. And the Bible says, Jacob prophesied to all the kids, said goodbye to all the family, put his legs up in the bed and gave up the ghost. Poof, gone. How do you do that? Maybe we should have a teaching on that, how to die. Because that is something that we're all going to face unless the rapture happens. I have a feeling the rapture is going to happen pretty soon, but it wouldn't hurt to know it anyway. And so she left. And I knew in my heart. Now, you may not understand this, guys, but I, the Lord will even deal with you about the death of your dog coming up or your kitty cat. The Lord is not so high... He's not so out there to where he doesn't care about these little things because these little things a lot of times are big things to us. He'll prepare you for it. He'll even help you prolong it a little, he'll help you, you know, keep, keep them here a little longer if there's some things you can do through prayer and intercession. But sometimes it's just, hey, they're going to go, it's time, and you need to get ready. Just get ready. And then when they do pass away, the comforter will help you through it. Don't try to feel how it's going to be when it happens. That's doubting that there'll be grace there when it does happen. There'll be grace there when it happens. Quit trying to feel the grace now. You don't need it now. They're still alive. But when they take their last breath, here comes the grace. If you're believing for it. And if you're saying his grace is sufficient. Some people say, I don't think I'll be able to live when they die. I'm going to lose it. 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 What happens? They lose it. Why? Because God didn't want to help them? No, because they were on a wrong road where God's help wasn't. We can go on any road we want to go on. Stay on the I believe the grace of God will be more than enough. Stay on that road. And the Spirit of God will help you. He'll show you things to come. Brother Hagan talks about situations where the Lord told him certain loved ones are going to die. Get ready for it. 
And Brother Hagin said, well, I'd like to prevent that, Lord. And he says, well, you can, you know, because his sister was dying of cancer. And he said, Lord, I want to minister to her. So he went and ministered to her, and she got totally healed of cancer, his sister. Totally healed of cancer. Completely healed. Started living and doing, doing well and going her way. But about, I don't know, five, ten years later, the cancer came back. And Brother Hagin said, well, Lord, I'll just, uh, he, the Lord said, she's going to die, you know, she's, she's going to die at this time. And he said, well, I'm going to go pray for her. He said, you can't. He said, you could use your faith one time for your loved one. But she had five years, son, to hear your sermons. She had five years to go to church. She had five years to build her faith. She chose not to. She's going to die, and there's nothing you can do about it. Let her go. It's not my will, but law, spiritual laws were set in motion long ago. They cannot be reversed at this time. And so he basically couldn't do anything because the first time he could help her, but second time she had to have her own faith built. You can't rely on somebody else all your life in areas you're supposed to be growing in. And so she passed away, and then he had a vision not too long after, and he saw his sister in heaven, and he, she said, Kenneth, don't feel bad. You couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me. There was a reason why. And it wasn't because God didn't want her healed. There was reasons on the receiving end, on her end, as to why she wasn't healed. She was all happy, and she didn't even care about the natural affairs on the earth. Her husband getting remarried, that didn't bother her at all. When you're in heaven, think you're on such a higher level. It's, it's a whole new realm. But let me read you this before the time's up here. Um, he said, uh, did I already say that about praying? Okay, let me get to the next one here. I've got little folded pages. So here, he said, he said, if you're behind in paying your rent, you know how to pray for your finances, but you don't know the future. Sometimes you don't even know underlying conditions that are causing your problems. And unless God shows you, you can't see into the spirit world and observe the activity of demons that may be trying to come against you. There are evil powers trying to work behind the scenes against us. So in order to be effective, we have to deal with those unseen forces in prayer, primarily praying in tongues. Because your mind doesn't know about those things. One of the best things about praying in tongues is you can pray for things beyond your mental understanding. Stop things of the enemy before you even know they were started. We mess up the devil's plans all the time in our prayer meetings when we pray online or when we pray in the church. When you pray in tongues, you mess up the devil's plans. You don't even have to know what you're praying about to be effective when you're praying in tongues. You just know, Spirit of God's helping me. I'm speaking in tongues and great things are happening and the devil's plans are being all messed up. And the will of God is advancing he goes on, talks about a lot of other things about praying in tongues. I'll read some more later when we have time, but I, I need to close with a couple things here. Um, go with me to Galatians 5. Um, I, I read those scriptures there to stir you up to realize why we should all be filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues on a regular basis. Now, if you don't pray in tongues, it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean we don't love you. That's absolutely ridiculous. Speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is so we can have a lot of heaven on earth till we get to heaven geographically. It's so we can minister more effectively to other people. We really shouldn't be saying, do I want to be filled with the Spirit or not? We should be saying, Lord, do you want me filled with the Spirit so I can help people around me on a higher level? And he does want you filled. He wants you filled for your benefit, but he doesn't want it to stop there. He wants you filled for other people's benefits. And just because you're born again and have the Holy Spirit in you does not mean you're filled 
with the full power of the Holy Spirit. This is something the church world as a whole has not gotten, and it's ripped the church off of tons of power. In ministry, we're supposed to be giving to the crying, dying, sighing world all around us. Jesus talked about being born of the Spirit, seeing the kingdom of God. Then he talked about being filled with the Spirit and rivers of living water coming out of you and to the people all around you. Power, successful prayers, ministry, help from heaven. So in Galatians 5, um, one of the things I think that's been hindering people from being ready for the glory of God, from being used of God on a higher level, is these nagging, constant interruptions of sins of the flesh and, and things that keep tripping people up and things that keeps delaying the, the, the higher things from coming into their life. And really, what I'm talking to you about right now is, is a major, major, major key to getting free forever from things that it kept tripping us up. In Galatians 5.18, notice what the Lord says here. He says, but if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. And we're talking about being filled and being led, being filled with the Holy Spirit and being led of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit you're going to get a lot more direction from the Lord if, he, if you're more filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost and led by the Spirit. If you want to be led by the Spirit, you might want to be filled with the Spirit, right? So what does it mean, um, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law? Is that what it said? Yeah. Well, what he's saying here is this. If we are truly filled with and led by the Holy Spirit, we're not going to need a ton of sermons on do's and don'ts. Now, let me say this. When you're led by the Spirit, what you're being led into always lines up with Scriptures. Because sometimes you'll feel things on the inside that feel really, really, really right, but they ain't right. They just feel right. How are you going to know if what feels right is right? You're going to have scripture for it. Principle of scripture, exact scripture. Somebody says, well, I just really feel, I really feel, I really feel like that other person who's married over there is supposed to be my spouse. <laughs> Come on, what, what do you do with an internal feeling like that? I just really feel, Pastor, I just really feel that that... That other person over there who's married, I feel like I really feel like they're supposed to be my partner in life. They're supposed to be my spouse. What do you do with a feeling like that? <laughs> Come on, what do you do with a feeling like that? It just feels right. That's just, is that not the witness of the Spirit? No, that's the devil working through your feelings to make you think it's good just because it feels good. So what would you do? You'd say, shut up, devil. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's husband or thy neighbor's wife. Right? Shut up, devil. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he commits fornication, sins against his own body. Going to get me to commit fornication just because I have this feeling. Right? So 
when, when people are filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit, you won't have to tell them, stop fornicating. If they're led by the Spirit, they ain't. You don't have to tell people, don't get drunk. You're not going to have to tell people, don't hold unforgiveness. You're not going to have to tell people, quit losing your temper. Two amazing things about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, you want to do right. And number two, you got the power to do right now. And isn't the want to three quarters of it though? I mean, don't, don't most people sin because they want to? They, at the moment, they want to do something pleasurable that maybe in the back of their mind they're saying, well, I can get forgiven for it later. They choose the pleasurable. They go the wrong way because they want to. I mean, let's face it. If the devil made you do it, then you need deliverance. <laughs> right? And most people don't need deliverance. They just need to grow up and stop it. Actually, can I put it this way? They just need to be filled with the Spirit and then they won't want to anymore. Nobody in prison today is in prison. Well, let me just put it this way. There are believers in prison. There's pe- believers in prison, love God, saved, thoroughly saved, while they committed their acts of crime. And I can guarantee you this, the morning of their crime, they were not filled with the Spirit. If they would have been, they wouldn't have committed the crime. So really, is it snapping, slapping people's knuckles with the ruler, saying stop it? Or is it say get filled with the Spirit so they don't want to do it? You know, when the election, I mentioned this I don't know, just before the election in 2019, I was teaching and I told the people, I said, you know, if you really, if you really want to see uh, uh, somebody vote the way you think they should vote, uh, <laughs> you're, you're never going to, Republicans, you are never going to change a Democrat to vote like you just through a word war. And Democrats, you're never going to change a Republican to vote like you. Uh, you might as well just give up on that. <laughs> but I guarantee you this. You get people filled with the Holy Ghost, they'll vote right. You get people filled with the Holy Spirit, they will vote right. Can I get a witness, church? They'll vote. If you get them filled with the Spirit, they'll vote right. They'll do a lot of things right if we can get them filled with the Spirit. You know, something the Lord's been dealing with me about as a pastor and and a teacher is that that I really need to focus on making sure that everybody in the church knows what it means to be filled with the Spirit and then just pray to God that they all accept that. Because the things that need to be done in our church, I can't orchestrate or delegate or administrate properly without burning out. There's so much that needs to be done that you're going to have to hear from God yourself to make sure that that gets done. You're going to, you're going to know in your spirit what department to hook up with at this time. You're going to know in your spirit by being filled with the spirit and led by the spirit that the nursery needs help right now. Needs faithful per- people in the nursery so the Lord's work can go on strong. There ne- uh, maybe it's a camera person or maintenance or housekeeping or, or praise team or, or whatever it is. You're going to know in your heart what needs to be done if you're filled with the Spirit? And that just saves us tons of time where we could be praying, seeking God, be more anointed for you on Sundays and Wednesdays and Mondays. Because 2021 is a year to run. Carla calls it 2020 run. You know, there's some paths that we were supposed to walk down that have been devoured. And the Bible says he'll restore paths to dwell in. 
And the Lord quickened to me that he said, paths that you were supposed to walk down, you are now going to run down. It's not over. Right. Just because they were disrupted, just because they were pushed aside, doesn't mean he, he says he restores. He's the restorer of paths to dwell in. It ain't over. The Bible says he restores to us the years the locust has eaten. The Bible says he restores our soul. He is in the restoring business. And we're, it's time to see major restoration as a church. We're going forward in 2021 with our running shoes on. We're going to share some things on January 17th, me and some other people in the church, about some direction for our church, some fresh things, some revelations, some, some, some vision that the Lord's given us as a church. So we encourage you, please don't miss January 17th with all possible because it's going to be glorious. But even before then, every service up to then, it's preparation time for greater glory. That's what it is. So I said all that to say this. Let's get ready for the glory. Let's get ready for greater degrees of the manifestations of God's power because it's happening. Have you noticed the election craziness? Have you noticed the pandemic junk? Have you noticed what NASA's been saying about meteorites coming toward the earth? Have you heard the prophets talking about the greatest move of God we've ever seen, ever? Glory, power. Yeah, the church is coming into its full power. And in days and times where pressure to depart from the faith is happening, we need to turn it up a notch and go the right way. I, I do not want anybody that I know to fulfill any more of those scriptures about departing from the faith, um, falling away. There'll be a great falling away. I don't, want, I don't want any of those. I don't want to know anybody in my church that's going that direction. Just remember the song Hallelujah that we sang. And just picture yourself going up the road and falling flat on your face and the dirt spilling out that way when you're going, hallelujah, I'll never quit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No matter how hard it gets, hallelujah. No matter how dark it gets, hallelujah. No matter how much I feel like backsliding, hallelujah. No matter how much I have backslide, hallelujah. I'm staying hooked, I'm going on. Just picture Jesus going up the cross, quoting scriptures for you. Let's just keep saying hallelujah. No matter what you're in the, whatever's in your face, just keep saying hallelujah. I'll never stop believing. I'm going on with God. I'm staying hooked. Anything can be restored. I'm going forward. The great comeback is upon us. The great comeback. May look like you're losing in the fourth quarter. Three touchdowns behind. It ain't over yet. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 